Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Enjoying this weather out here? No. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm waiting for the sun to come back. I know. Maybe, maybe we'll get some sun coming up. It'll, it'll come back soon. We, we know it's behind the clouds, right? It's, it's my, all relative. Yeah, it's all relative. And it also makes me think about that lovely image that is so positive, thinking about what's above those clouds, right? Like when you're on an airplane and you're, especially around here, right? You break through those clouds and the sun is there and the sun yes. is always shining. It's always there. And if you're looking below the clouds, we have to remember that without them and without the rain, we probably wouldn't have produce or beautiful flowers. I know. I know. I'll get, I'll get a grip on it in a second here. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, hey, so speaking of planes, we're going to be going to a really cool, getting on a plane and going to a really cool conference. I know. I can't wait. I cannot wait. (laughs) We're going to Santa Barbara and we're going to hang out with our Hudson friends. So if you're one of our Hudson friends, we can't wait to see you. No, we can't. And you know, one of our Hudson friends is somebody that we just had on our podcast last week. Yes. Yes. Melanie Vargas. So today we're going to focus on gems from the episode with Melanie Vargas last week. So if you haven't heard that yet, we'd encourage you to go back and listen. And gosh, she just left us with so many thought-provoking things. And it was really hard to choose just one thing to focus on for our GEMS episode. But I think think we've nailed it. We've got some really good practical things for you to think about when we're thinking about wellness in the workplace, mental wellness in the workplace. Yeah. You know, I I thought our discussion with Melanie was wonderful. It was like pretty insightful, you know, and, you know, she is so candid about, you know, her life and, and things that are going on and how that impacts other people. And I think that, and, and how mental well-being or mental health does uh, impact not just individuals and, and their families, but organizations, right? Yeah. Yeah. Those, those people who are, are showing up with those um, Mm. issues are in our workplace and our workplace is contributing. And we're going to talk about that and what role leaders have and helping employees to uh, to deal with those yes. issues, but also to set up cultures and structures and workplaces that support all employees. Yeah, because you know we've got we've had so much stuff going on for the last four years, basically, yeah. right? Longer than that, but the last three years of pandemic and and other things that have been going on, and quite frankly, you know. The, the topic of mental well-being or mental health is not going to be going away. This is something that's always been in our world. It's always been something that people have had to deal with. Um, but now it's really at the forefront because, because we are working at a faster pace than ever in the history of the world. 
We are doing more work than ever in the history of the world, if you think about it. We've got people having to use their minds. We've got a lot of competition with AI and all these different things that are weighing heavily on people, you know, and yeah. it, it, it hits the workplace. Yeah. And so it's, it is incumbent upon organizations to, you know, to perk up and listen to this, you know, and, and yeah. start doing something about it because it's a part of who we are. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a bad thing anymore. It's, it's just what we, where we are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so to kind of frame this up, we are going to share a bunch of statistics with you, which were just frankly kind of surprising. Mm -hmm. And so we want, we want you, our listeners to really understand kind of what the situation is. And so we're going to tell it through some numbers. And the first thing is, um, that come, it comes from the World Health Organization. And in 2019, they classified burnout as an occupational phenomenon. And so burnout is really going to be what we're going to focus on today. Mm -hmm. um, and it's described as a syndrome conceptualized or resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. And it's characterized by three dimensions, according to to the World Health Organization. This is how they're describing it. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Like how many of our clients are dealing with that? Like 99% of them. Increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. That's really the one that's hitting organizations, reduced professional efficacy. We also pulled an article from Gallup and we'll, we'll put links to all these yes. in our show notes. So if you want to, you know, read the full article or dig deeper, you can. And this article was actually in 2018. So it's prior to COVID and they call it employee burnout, uh, five main causes. And some of the statistics they're sharing here are organizations are facing employee burnout crisis. 23% of employees in this study that they did reported feeling burned out at work very often or always. And, and, and if I could just interject, yeah. that was 23% of the 7,500 employees that they, that they pulled. Yeah. So you take that and <laughs> how many more employees are there in the organ, in the, in the world right, right now? Right. So that is, that's just a, a snippet. Yeah. Basically. Right. Yep. And an additional 44% reported feeling burned out sometimes which means about two-thirds of full-time workers experience burnout on the job. Two-thirds. That's that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know there's a huge cost to that because um, burnout leads to other things. And so in this article, it also says that burned-out employees are 63% more likely to take a sick day and 2.6 times as likely to be actively seeking different jobs. Well, that impacts the organization significantly if you have enough people calling in sick because they're burnt out yeah you know. huge impacts you just you think about how that just rolls down right mm -hmm. and somebody else has to cover their job they they become even more overwhelmed in their job they yes. have to take a time out they take a sick day yeah it just it's it keeps going mm -hmm. yeah 13 percent lower confidence in their performance and are half as likely to discuss how to approach performance goals with their manager, right. which is so huge. We know that this is really important for people to understand what's the priority for their job. How are they performing? 
these conversations are critical to successful employees mm -hmm. in the workplace. Yeah, they, they state that, you know, employee burnout can trigger a downward spiral in individual and organizational performance. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's something that I think is not often um, even looked at until they start to notice that things aren't getting done, right? Yeah. And it's not that people aren't caring enough to do their job. They're so burnt out, they just don't have what it takes to get it done sometimes. They're, right. they're done, right? Yeah, yeah. And another statistic they share is that burned out employees are 23% more likely to visit the emergency mm -hmm. room. And what this is telling us is it's having a huge impact on their health, right? It's a huge impact. So we have to be really mindful of this as leaders in an organization that this isn't just about work. This is, we're carrying, they're carrying this home. Right. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a different, like a little different approach. And, and it's one we've been talking about actually, but, um, you know, my heart wants to go towards the employee and say, we've got to take care of these people because it's important, right? Yeah. We've got, we've got employees who give, they come here, they come to our job. Um, it's discretionary. They come in and give their discretionary, um, efforts to make sure that the organization is successful and yet they're burnt out. So something's got to give here. But at the same time, when you think about all of the sick leave and you think about performance dips and you think about all of that kind of thing, at the end of the day, the organization takes a huge hit and it, yeah. it's taking a hit beyond just the dollars. Yeah. It's taking a hit in the way it is viewed on outside of the organization by other organizations. And you know that can be devastating for an organization if they're not willing to address this, then honestly, they, they almost deserve to have that hit in a sense, right. because, you know, you, this is a real thing. And I'd say, I would, I'd really posit that if you looked at the executives and the leadership in some of these organizations, they're in the same boat. Oh yeah, for sure. One other statistic I want to share here, and this actually comes from an article by Josh Burson, and it was published in August of 2022. So we wanted to give you something that was super current. In his article, he says, studies now show that nearly 81% of workers, mm -hmm. so it's even higher, face some form of burnout or mental health issue. And 68% of employees say their daily work has been interrupted by these challenges. So daily work interruptions by this. Yeah, it's... It's staggering, I think. And so, you know, to me, it's completely appropriate that we're sitting here talking about this today because we do have some information that can be helpful, right? Yeah. Or things that people need to, or organizations, leaders need to focus on, yeah. right? And keep in mind as they're going forward so that we can try to meet this head on. Yeah. And, and that's really what we have to do at this point. It's no longer something subtle that you can push under a rug or that you can kind of ignore and it'll go away and it's only one person. But guess what? It's 81%. That's a lot. Right. Yeah. 81%. I mean, in my mind, let's just say it's 100. Yes. I agree. We need to treat every employee as if this is their situation. Mm -hmm. So it's it's when you think about the 80 20 rule, it's flipped. You know, we sort of talk about that if we, the 80% of our employees are doing well, 20% are not. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time focused on the 20%. Well, now we're talking about it, it flipped. 
It's yes. 80% of our employees. We need to be really focused on this. And we've got some tools mm -hmm. that we researched that we hope are really going to help. Yeah. I, I do want to say one thing before we start talking about them though, is that, you know, when we're talking about mental health, we're not just talking about what happens at work that's burning people out. You know, people get burned out from a lot of things and sometimes it's a combination of everything. Yeah. You know, when you think about the things that change in the workplace every day and people have to deal with, and you know, we talk about transition and how long it takes. It takes as long as it takes, right, to get yeah. through transition. So you, you multiply that by all of the change that yeah. goes on in an organization. And then add to that changes that are happening at home. Yeah. Right? And that and our environment. I mean, all of the things that hit people and depending on how healthy you are, how strong your mental muscle is or whatever, um, you may be able to handle that for a while. That's not sustainable, right? Yeah. So things have to change. Yeah. And it's not about just bucking up, which is kind of what we used to say, right? Yeah. Like, buck up. Um, you <laughs> no. Can, you can handle this. <laughs> you know, leave it at the door, all those things. That's yeah. what we used to teach. It's kind of sad to think about now. But it was. It was like, how do we contain it so that you just come to work and you get it done? And I can't remember. I remember back in the, you know in 1901 when I started working, <laughs> um, when that was exactly what I was told on my first day in my job, that um, leave your personal problems at home, yep. leave them at the door. When you come in here, it's all work. And I can't tell you how impossible that was for everyone. Yep. Everyone would go to the lunchroom and everyone would be talking about everything about that yeah. had nothing to do with work, right? Yeah. And there were folks who were dealing with some pretty big crises and yeah. it's difficult to do. But I remember that used to be something that was not only discouraged, it was actually something that they could reprimand people on. Right. So I'm really glad that yeah. we now are starting to realize that you cannot do that. We are a whole person and you can't, you, you don't hire a half a person. Yeah. You hire a whole person and you expect them to bring themselves because they are the people that you hired for a reason. Yeah. They bring their personal self with them, right? Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're human. Yes, we are dealing with humans, not robots here. <laughs> At yeah, least now we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now. Um, I remember in the early days that I actually literally watching a video on it. Yeah, like when we came in, and the, that was part of like orientation about. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I hadn't thought about that till just now when we were talking. Wow. Yeah, about how you keep that's your scary. keep your stuff at yeah at home. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. in this same article, the Gallup article, they talk about five factors that leaders should focus on to reduce burnout. So we want to share those with you. These are five factors that are most highly correlated with burnout. Mm -hmm. And the first one is unfair treatment at work. Yeah. So biases and things like that right and favoritism oh my gosh you know we've we still have that a lot right yeah and we're, we're never going to get rid of all of that no but the idea is that we definitely want to be aware of that and that there are true costs to this mm -hmm. so of course we always want to treat people fairly but we've got to really find out how people are feeling about that the second one is unmanageable workloads and these days, it does seem to be that people are feeling that their workloads are just overwhelming. I, I know quite a few people who are saying that. And, um, you know, they 
I've heard a lot lately, um, just people I know, you know, that live in my neighborhood that are saying that they're still being told to do more with less. And mm-hmm. because of the pandemic and the quiet quitting and all these things that have gone on in the world, uh, many of them don't have any option because there aren't any backup people working with them. Right. They're, they're, doing more with less and so that's it's very um it's hard on people it can be it can lead to burnout pretty quickly especially if there isn't anything to um help encourage them along and recognize their efforts and you know those are those are some of the things you can do right yeah we know that there's been a lot of layoffs in the tech industry and some other industries and so that's pretty tough so there's industries that have layoffs going on there's also other industries that are having difficulty recruiting. Yes. So when you can't fill positions on, on a timely basis, then people are doing two or three people's jobs. Mm-hmm. So we understand it. Sometimes it's just a organizational reality, but we also as leaders need to recognize that there's truly a cost. People can do that for a little while, but it's not a long-term strategy. No. And it- if I could just share what they show yeah. as their um, as a way to address that, as they they say the best managers discuss responsibilities and performance goals with their employees and collaborate with them mm-hmm. to ensure that the expectations are clear and align with those goals. And I would also say that they help their employees prioritize if they've got a lot on their plate. Yeah. Help them prioritize what's most important yeah. because they're all going to juggle and think everything's a priority if everything keeps hitting them. I have been there myself. I know what that feels like. If you've got only like 15 things on your plate and it's got to be done by the end of the week, which one is most important because I need to divvy up my time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we know there's a lot of middle managers out there that are listening. They've really got a tough job. They've got employees that are looking up to them to prioritize, but they also have huge workloads as well. So if you're a middle manager and you're feeling stuck in the middle, pass that along, collaborate with your leader above you. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to reach out and say, hey, what do you think the priorities here should be? Work with your manager. It's it's okay. It's not a sign of weakness. In fact, there's research out there that shows If you come to your leader with those kinds of questions, you actually are increasing trust with that manager. They want you to actually ask those questions, not to just sort of hide it and try and make it up as you go. That's a way of leading up, which is really, really important. Yeah. So um, the next one is lack of communication and support from the manager. Mm. Yeah. So... That's pretty self-explanatory, yeah. I think. Yeah. And unreasonable time pressure. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit, but, you know, it's like they they say that when employees say they often or always have enough time to do all the work, they're 70% less likely to experience burnout. So if people have time to do their work, they're not feeling as stressed. But when they don't feel like they have time, they've got... A lot of people feel pressure to stay later. Some don't have the option, right? If, yeah. you're, if you're not a salaried employee in the world, you don't have the option. You may not be able to just, you know, randomly um, work overtime, yeah. right? And so that gets to be a pressure in itself. So really making sure that um, unreasonable deadlines and, and pressure that really creates that snowball effect it's going to be important for leaders to sit down and talk about, okay, how are we using your time? 
Yeah. Where's, where's your time being spent and how can we work something out so that you're not overwhelmed and somebody else isn't yeah. right. That happens yeah. too. Yeah. I have to say I was actually involved in a process of hiring a virtual assistant recently and one of the things that was so interesting to me, and I thought, wow, why don't we all do this, is thinking about your day as finite because they're a virtual assistant and they're working for a variety of customers. Mm-hmm. They will give three hours to this customer and you negotiate that. It's like, oh, I need four hours of your time. And they, somebody else gets three hours and they track it. And when it's done, it's that's all the hours they have like, well, now you got to figure out what's next or they'll let you know, like I have an hour left of my 20 hours or whatever. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could all be that disciplined about how we use our time? And then, you know, am I working 40 hours a week? Am I working 60 hours a week based on good planning around what things should take, how much time things should take rather than this sort of like fantasy about the hours are, you know, just unending. I want to be more like that. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> it's a great I idea, yeah. though. I mean, I've I've not talked to anybody that's in that field, but um, I've heard a lot about them lately because yeah. I'm getting I'm getting my own calls from firms that want to do that, but yeah. I'm not quite ready yet. But you know, the whole idea of of having somebody. I guess I never really thought about how many clients those people must have, mm-hmm. and what a great way to manage your time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think the the hope here is though is that burnout is not inevitable. Right. It can sound kind of daunting, but we can do things. And I'm a big believer in small shifts make big change over time. Yes. So it's not that we have to throw everything up, you know, and and throw our hands in the air and say it's not going to ever work. It's too big of a problem. It's like, well, what's a small thing that I can do? Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, with any change, anything that's big like this or anything that that really, really matters, it's it's hardly ever as effective if you do everything all at once. Yes. Because it takes 100% of your time to do one change, right? Yeah. If you're really doing it for the long haul, right? And you're looking for something sustainable. Yes. You need to put some concentration to it. So one thing at a time is great. And keep people informed as you're doing it so that they understand this is not the quick fix that's not going to stick. This is something we're trying to really change, but other things will come. Let's just do one thing at a time. Yeah. It's great. So something that can help get you on that journey to figure out what would really make a difference is this leading with well-being conversation guide Mm -hmm. that we discovered through the Center for Creative Leadership. And again, we'll put the links on the show notes page. So we're just going to walk through a couple of these potential questions that you can use to have a conversation with your team about well-being on your team and in your organization. So Crystal, I know we were, we both picked a couple. Yeah. Um, which What was your first one that you thought of? I really liked that very first question, which is from your perspective, what does it mean to be well? So I think getting a common understanding of what does that mean for our team? What does that mean for us individually? And we might not all agree, but at least we'll know what expectations people are coming to the table with. 
Yeah, and what I like about that is it really prompts a little bit of self, you know, introspection, if mm-hmm. you will, right? Yeah. Looking, looking within, because whoever asks that question. Yeah. So when you get asked a question like that, all of a sudden you're on the hot seat, right? It's like, uh, be well. What does that mean? <laughs> but it's, it's a great exercise, right? Yeah. It is a great exercise in having that conversation, even if it's unpacking while you're talking, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think this is also a cool place. I'm just sort of riffing here for a minute where you could really jump off and do some fun things with that. You could do, um, some vision boarding around oh, yeah. it. You could put out some, um, images and have people, you know, pick an image of what they represents well-being for them and mm-hmm. talk about that. Cause sometimes I do think people have trouble just coming up with the words out of their brain, but if you can use some sort of visual image or have people draw a picture or something. Mm-hmm. So um, I encourage you to get creative and kind of have some fun with it. Yeah, that's that is an awesome idea. I love vision boarding. I think it's, you know, it it serves a lot of purposes. You mm-hmm. know, it's not it's not just a one use thing. Yeah, the first one that came to mind for me, all of them are great, by the way. Um, but the first one that really stuck out was when do you feel most comfortable sharing mistakes and lessons learned with colleagues? And I think that's important because a lot of times we don't feel comfortable having, you know, or trusting enough to have a conversation like that. But wow, how insightful it can be for the people around you, not only about what, what I'm struggling with when I'm sharing it, right? But also what they may not have seen before. And now they're saying, wow, I never really thought of it that way. And oh yeah, I kind of feel that way too. You know, it's like, I, I never even thought of it, but I've been making that same mistake or whatever, you know? And so it's, to me, that's another way to bring people closer together. It's that show of vulnerability that really is the heart touch for a lot of people. Yeah. It definitely builds trust. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. My other one that I really loved, and again, I think both of us, all these questions are definitely worth exploring with your team, but is, are there some parts of your job that brings you energy and feel more meaningful than others? And what I really loved about that one is one of the things that we've learned through our work with Marcus Buckingham and the love and work is that thinking about our energy mm-hmm. is really important when we think about burnout and sustainability. So if we're doing work that we love and f- we feel like it's a strength for us and it helps fulfill our purpose, we will have more energy to do more work. Mm-hmm. But if we're actually doing stuff that really drains us and it's not something that we want to be doing, doesn't bring us purpose, then that drains our battery a lot faster. And so that leads to burnout faster. I was so hoping you would go down that road because Marcus Buckingham is exactly who I thought about when I saw this question. I was thinking about, you know, when we do things that we love, we also lose track of time sometimes Mm -hmm. because we're having such a good time and we're so into it that it doesn't seem like a chore. It seems like, oh, it's only been two hours. It feels like you know, it, or it's been two hours already. It feels yeah. like it's only been about 20 minutes, right? you know, because yeah. you're enjoying your work. And so it's that energy you're talking about, but it's also that, um, it's almost a drive and a passion because you're doing something that makes sense to you. Yeah. That fits your soul, you know? That, yeah. And to me, that's so important. And 
looking for those those things that you love through through your day. He says if you only find 20% of what you do that you can love, then you are in a good job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you work to to try and expand that 20% yes. over time. But I have to give an example of this that happened just today. So as we were getting ready to record this session, we both looked at the clock and said, oh my gosh, I can't believe how late it is. (laughs) And it's because we've had so much fun all day long preparing for this episode. And we also got a chance to actually record a really cool guest that you'll hear next week. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's really energizing my days that we focus on podcast I'm more energized all day long and we can go late into the night. <laughs> I know. And we have. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> well, and I have to agree with you. I mean, this is our mutual admiration uh, moment, but it's true. I think yeah. that we both love what we do so much with this. This isn't 20% of our lo- of our, our job here. This is like 100% of our job here is just pure joy. Yeah. And so we totally forget about time. I, I don't even think about it. We have conversations about things that are so off the wall sometimes, <laughs> and we have so much fun going deep diving on that. Yep. And we have, and it may never make it to a podcast, but it's, it's good. It's all good. Yep. So my second one, and actually I'm going to say it again, these are all really good questions. So yeah. we hope that everybody will, will, um, catch this in the link and, um, and print it out because it actually is a pretty good guide. Um, and that is number nine. How can we support one another in prioritizing what's most important? Yeah. And it's not just, you know, we were talking earlier about the supervisor helping the employee or the supervisor asking their their manager, right? Or on up, right? It's not just that. It is amongst yourselves, right? Yes. Talking about, oh, I've got all these things on my plate. I've got this, this, this. There may be somebody on your team that's working on something that is similar or may have a piece of that or that may be a piece of that yeah. they need. And they may have an idea, You know what? I could take that because I'm working on this and this two doing these two together may make sense. Sometimes it sort of redistributes the work a little bit. Yeah. But it also helps when other people can say, really, is that so important that you have to get that done right now? Because that doesn't seem really important. That's sort of something we were going to do, but it's as we have time, you know, that's an example, but it, it's so nice sometimes just bouncing that off other people. Yeah. Yeah. I also find that to be an activity that generates quite a bit of energy too, because sometimes you will hear what somebody else is doing. You're like, Ooh, that sounds really cool. Maybe I can, you know, squeeze out a few hours to help you on that. Cause I'd love to actually work on that. And then all of a sudden you've got something that might help you grow and develop and they've got some help. And so and burnout is yeah. like not even on the table. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's It gives you that opportunity to support each other in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Love that. So some facilitation tips that we wanted to give for leaders who, you know, might be new at this, but also those of you that are even seasoned at it, it's good reminders that these things build trust, um, but only if we listen with a curious mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for us as leaders not to jump in and judge what our teams are coming up with. 
it may work and it may be a really crazy idea, but it's okay if it doesn't because they're going to learn from that and they're going to iterate and, and they'll become more committed to each other the more opportunities they have to try things. Yeah. And, you know, I think also another thing that there are quite a few tips on this, on this page, but, um, one that stuck out for me as I was reading this is if your team seems unsure of how to answer a question, try sharing a personal experience Mm -hmm. or as, as an example. And, you know, we've talked about storytelling before, and I think we'll do it again, maybe not too far down the line and maybe another coach's corner or something, but, um, you know, telling a story about a personal account of yours, you know, something that you've experienced or something that you've done or something that you've felt can be, um, very engaging for other people, especially if they can connect with you uh, all of a sudden on a heart note, they may not have been able to do that. Often when I've seen people look at their bosses, if they are on a pedestal, it's because they have never had that connection. Yeah, It's not until the leader is vulnerable and they are able to connect with that person on a personal level, yeah. even though it's work-related. That is when people start being more compassionate for their boss. Yeah. Or they start being, um, they they have a, a different level of empathy that they never did before because they never saw that person that way. Yeah. It it opens their eyes to a lot of things and it can be great for enhancing communication, doing all of that kind of thing. But for burnout, it can be very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say there's one caveat to that, which is when you're sharing your personal story, please also share that it's challenging. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty disheartening when a leader kind of puts themselves up on that pedestal and says, look what I did. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know that's not what you were saying, (laughs) but I do think it is important that people recognize that if you're sharing a personal example, please share something where you struggled a little bit and you Mm -hmm. were challenged and you can overcome it of course, but not that everything was perfect. Yeah. And you know, to that, you know, that, that overcoming the challenge, if you haven't overcome it, don't, don't make it up. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's okay if you tell people that you haven't overcome a challenge yeah. because guess what? We're all there. Yep. Right. <laughs> We're all struggling. Right. Yeah. And that's that piece about, I think about showing up as the example. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've been working with leaders on this and it takes a lot of courage to, to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of leaders still really feel like they have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. And you will gain so much trust from employees if you can share those places where there are challenges, where you aren't perfect, where you've made mistakes. It's it's really okay. But it is important to show and be an example of what you're asking them to be. So if you are asking people to, to set some boundaries around time that they work or um, – any, any other sort of things, you need to be the first one to go first. Mm-hmm. You've got to be setting that example. Yeah, and I'm going to say one thing that I've said before in the past. You know, when people are put into leadership positions, they're either hired from outside or they're promoted from inside for the qualities they bring to the job. Yeah. And and they're hired because they are, or they're put in, promoted because they are, their attributes are, are what, is being looked for. Their um, their qualities are the kind of person that that an organization or a department wants to see, or or the head of of the you know the organization wants to see. So, 
when a person gets into a leadership position and all of a sudden they feel they have to act like something else, they've actually left why they were that, that thing that made mm. them so valuable when they got hired or when they got promoted. And so it's really important, I think, for leaders sometimes to take that one more time, look in the mirror and say, am I being genuine? Am I being what I was hired to be? Did they want me because of my qualities? Then where are those qualities showing up, right? Yeah. Okay. So speaking of being a model... And showing the way by your actions, not just your words. There's also another really cool kind of worksheet challenge by Center for Creative Leadership. And again, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, it's called the Seven Day Wellbeing Challenge. So this is something that you can do as a leader. It's kind of fun because they have broken it out by having a challenge for every day of the week. So I'll start with Monday. Okay. Um, so Monday is make a connection. So this is one of those things that is really important when we look for building resilience is having a strong network of people. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this is about, making a connection. So kind of reaching out and either deepening a current connection that you have or starting a new a new connection. Yeah. It sounds like a, a former interview we did or a previous interview we did too on yes, networks, yes. right? Yeah. Um, Tuesday is take control of your schedule. And so this really has to do with looking at your calendar and blocking out time uh, whenever it's important for you to do so, so that you can get some personal things done if you need to and or address things that uh, may not be the next fire to put out, the next task to do, task, task, task. Give yourself some time so you can do your work. I don't know about you, but I'm in meetings from the time I get in in the morning until I go get out in the evening. And sometimes that's overwhelming for me. I mean, absolutely. So I've started putting out what they call focus time. Um, mm -hmm. It's a part of our program that we have, our, our um, software program. And I just take I take an hour a day. I may have to split it twice, you know, into two thirty-minute se sections um, somewhere in the day, but it gives me a little time to go back and and say, okay, go over my notes. What is it I have to do? When do I have to do it? And I can kind of organize a little bit so that the next morning I'm not scrambling to try and figure out if I've got everything done. Da da da. Or that night I don't have to take work home. Yeah. Right. I think the kind of tip that that I have learned and this, I don't know who it came from, but it was from someone else about controlling your schedule is not to start your morning with email. That's right. And those mornings where I succumb <laughs> to it, <laughs> I, my day is just always so frantic because yeah. I know that there's a couple of things that I really need to get done but a lot of times I'll only get one of them done if I'm lucky because I get into my email and it's just the whole day is driven by responding to that. People respond back. And so it's gone. My, my day is gone. So I have, when I'm good and disciplined on the days that are ideal, I take a good 45 minutes, which means it feels a little uncomfortable, but I can do it to get that really, the thing that I think is most important to get done that day, I get it done. Um, mm -hmm. or at least get a really good chunk of it done. And then I, then I get into my email and I'm much more in control of my whole day. Then we're going to have to do a coach's corner on that. I think because there, 
you know, there have been books written on this and there are all sorts of um, algorithms and models and things, but I think we forget about those. Yeah. And so it's not that we have to live by algorithm and model, but we do um, sometimes need to be reminded that, you know, there are, there are some tips and tools that we can use that yeah. might help us get a better handle on our day. And maybe that might help a little bit with the burnout, right? Yeah. I think for me too, it's just kind of psychological as far as yeah. I feel like, oh, I actually I got something done. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it gets me in a good mental state. Yeah. So Wednesday is walk and talk. I love this one. So this can actually be that you're, if like it's a virtual, you decide, hey, I'm not actually going to be staring at the screen. We're going to talk by phone. And you can walk. If they want to walk, they can walk too. But you can go for a walk and have your meeting virtually. Or you can actually do it in person. Right. Yeah. Right. And I... I was just telling you before this that I know of a leader that has started doing that. Yeah. And when she does her one-on-ones and she has, you know, several direct reports, but when she does her one-on-ones every week with these, each one of these people, they now walk during their meeting. And so they're out getting exercise and, you know, they have a different rhythm and pace and they're able to look around them and it doesn't feel so, you know, um, I don't know, overwhelming. Right. Right. Yeah. And, if you can get outside, that's even better. So you can get those the positive nature vibes going. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Thursday is think about purpose. I like this one because it's sort of talking about the Marcus Buckingham thing in a way. Yeah. You know, we're talking about take take ten minutes and reflect on parts of your job that bring you energy and are aligned with what you believe is meaningful, and then talk to your folks about that, right? And and um, talk to your team and and help them identify what things give them purpose, those things that make them enjoy their day or the things that they lose track of time on, that kind of thing. Sometimes people need a little help identifying what that is. Asking questions like, you know, what is it that you're really proud of today? What did yeah. you do that made you prouder? Or where do you like to spend your time? What, do you, what are your favorite things to do? And just, I know it sounds silly, but it's not. It's, it's actually, some people may think, that might be a, a weird question to ask your boss to ask you, right? But at the same time, wow, how how enlightening could it be for both people if they articulated that? Yeah. You know, puts yeah. it out in the world, doesn't it? It does. I remember, and I think they still have these things. I don't know. <laughs> but I started my career way back, way, way, way back <laughs> as a recruiter. I really hate that she said that because I'm older than she is. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things I loved about being a recruiter was being able to go out and talk about my organization to a lot of other people. And these were all people who wanted jobs where I was working. And so it always made me feel a little special to be thinking about, oh, yeah, this is why I'm actually still here. You know, you talk about what you love about your job and what you love about your organization. So I would encourage people if they were, if they, still do that sort of thing. They still do job fairs, getting some kind of opportunity to get out there and talk to others who are interested in your organization. It does help you kind of reconnect with why you actually said, yes, I want to work for this organization. Yes, I want to do this job. I love that. You know, there are two other questions you can ask with that. One is, what brought you here to begin with? Especially yeah. if you've got employees that have been here for a long time. Mm -hmm. What made you come here? Yeah. And then what keeps you coming back? Mm -hmm. Because there's usually something 
that they've done all along or something that they found, uh, you know, was a passion for them or something that keeps them coming back to the office. Yeah. Yeah. Or another thing you could do is volunteer for a new employee orientation. Maybe you can come and be the leader who speaks. Yeah. So there's all kinds of fun things that you can Mm -hmm. do to help re-engage that passion. So Friday, foster learning from challenges. So invite your team to share something that didn't go as planned. Mm. And what did they learn about that? Yeah. And I think this is a great one to model. So you go first. (laughs) You share something that didn't go well. And then invite your team to as well. You know, there's a book that came out years ago. It's called Just Accountability. And it's a a process. It's actually an algorithm. It was made... Um, it was originated by um, an airline industry that um, that found that they had a lot of mistakes in certain areas where they were having people make some really devastating mistakes. And so, and one that caused a huge crash, and that started this whole process. But what they learned was that you can't hold people accountable for that mistake if they may not have realized they made the mistake, right? So the learning was in, let's go back and break down the steps that it took to do this. And then it's like doing process mapping almost, Right. right? And so what they, the whole point of that was if they found through this algorithm that the person really was missing a skill or they were missing some piece of information, somewhere in that process it was gone, they needed to go back and, and check it and, and, change it if they found that the person was doing that on purpose because they were you know Mm -hmm. not such a great person then that would be a source for um disciplinary action or something you know or whatever hopefully it's not something devastating but the whole point of of just accountability is learning from your mistakes Mm -hmm. and so that's what they found was more often than not because we're human we make mistakes and so that's something you can always fix yeah. mistakes are things you can fix so um i love that the whole learning um from challenges mm-hmm. because it it forces or encourages critical thinking yeah right? yeah right saturday is send a note of gratitude and i love this one i love this one i think if we lived in gratitude more often mm-hmm. and more consistently that we probably wouldn't have as many things that are going on in this world today, you know, the, the negative feelings and the burnout and all of that's going on. If people realize how much they're, they're appreciated, they go a little bit further sometimes, or they at least have a different feeling about what work is like and what the world is like when they come in. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I love that because it's just, you know, let, they said, let a colleague, direct report, mentor, family member, or friend know that you're grateful for them and why. Yes. Right? And, the, and if you can do it, if it's something specific, do it as close as you can to that, that moment. If it is something that is in general, you just feel like you, you know, you're grateful for this person who is always there to support something, then, you know, just whenever you can do that, do it. But it looks like it's going to happen on a Saturday on this. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be great to come back into the office on Monday and have that in your email? Maybe you would actually want to check your email first then. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I do do love it. And I think the other thing about that is it's a win-win 
we know mm-hmm. and the research shows us that when you send a note of gratitude, a note of thanks, it actually gives you a positive lift as well. So mm-hmm. it's giving you a lift and it's giving the person who gets to receive that gratitude. So I love that. Yeah, there's a chemical response to that, right? Right. And so it's it's a great thing. And if you're living in gratitude, you're living a better life. Yeah, a happier life, yeah. that's for sure. And then the very last one is Sunday. Savor the positive, which I just, I love this one. I'm a big fan of savoring and there's actually a a lot of information out there that, that can, that you can research if you're interested in it. But their point is that our brains have a natural negative bias. And so we need to counter that tendency by intentionally taking time to notice Mm. one thing that brings you joy today, whether big or small. And the other thing is with savoring, and there's been a lot of uh, books written and articles written lately about this, is the whole sort of tactical using our five senses to experience something and to mm-hmm. savor. So thinking about um, smells and something, what does something feel like? Um, what does it taste like if that's appropriate? You know, so really focusing on the colors the Mm -hmm. the visual aspect of it so think about savoring with all your five senses yeah you know it's something that i'm trying to incorporate in my meditation and it's um it's not always easy i find some of it very easy but some of it like when i'm talking when you're talking about savoring you know a visual thing i'm yeah i'm i guess i always thought it was very visual but i think i'm I'm better at touch. I'm better at things, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out and then savor that feeling like, wow, that's interesting. And you know what? I can say more positive things about that, actually. Looking at the positive helps change. It's another chemical thing, right? Right. it, It changes the way we look at the world. And, you know, living in that space is makes the world a lot better. If we had more people who even just one at a time, right, did that, we're getting up and and taking the positive side of things. How can I look at this from a positive standpoint? You know, how can I, how can, even if you're looking at the, the, um, addressing the challenges, right, that are learning from the challenges, what's the positive in this? Mm -hmm. You know, the growth is the, is part of the positive, right? Yeah. So it's, it's just, um, it's something that we need to do for ourselves. And I know sometimes it's not easy for us to to think of ourselves as doing this. It seems fluffy or, you know, a little too a little too human, too soft, right? Mm-hmm. But it isn't. This is the important stuff because we're only on this planet for one gig, right? That's right. And so you get to make it as great or as not great as you can. Yeah. And so I'd rather take the positive side of that because I'm going to be here for a while longer. And honestly, that has a lot more appeal to me. Yeah. I know that sounds like it's not really a part of this, but it is everything a part of this. People get burned out sometimes because they don't see how this will ever end. Right. And if that is the view of things, that's going to be so impactful for not just the organization, the individual or the team or whatever. It's going to be terribly impactful to our earth and yeah. so um so i'm i'm very big fan of this one all mm-hmm. of them actually yeah so that's the seven day well-being challenge and 
we've covered a lot today, <laughs> as we oftentimes do. Um, we gave you a conversation guide as well, covered a lot of statistics about why it's important. And we've really enjoyed unpacking one of these really important gems about burnout. Yeah, we have. I have Melanie to thank gave Melanie. Us. Yeah. yeah. She, she really brought us a lot to think about. And we could have gone in so many directions mm. with everything we learned. It was... It was something I'm going to remember for a very long time. So that was wonderful. Yeah. So we've got something else coming up here, like in a week, right? It will be in a couple of weeks. Yes. Is it it's, a couple of weeks? Okay. It's, yeah, May 26th. <laughs> it's VUCA Vanquished. It's a one hour workshop that mm-hmm. we're going to be doing for free. And it's really because we love you, we love our listeners. So if you want to sign up for it, go to our website and there's a link under uh, work with us. You'll see it's under workshops. So we really hope you show up. Um, like I said, it's, it's free. Just come spend the hour with us. And we're going to share a little bit about what is VUCA mm-hmm. and what can we do as individuals and as leaders to help kind of tame that to help us manage change in a more effective way and also to build community because we know that that's a really important thing when we think about our own resilience is having a community of people to go through life with and so we'd like to get to know you a little bit better and have you get to know each other absolutely i think it's a great way to network with new people Um, that's one of the benefits of this session so please sign up it's on our website so let's keep that conversation going if you have questions or comments about the show you can find us on all our social media channels at lefting underscore leaders there are so many exceptional podcasts coming up more with fantastic guests so be sure to subscribe to our podcast on apple podcast or wherever you listen If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring or informative, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leadership coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. And that is also where you'll find links to all the resources we shared today. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha, for co-hosting. Thank you, Crystal. It was fun. And thank you to our audience for listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week. Thank you.